Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Welcome Pastor Eddie, everybody. Amen, amen, amen. You guys be seated this morning. Let me tell you, man, what a sweet, sweet family you guys are a part of here. Amen. Man, the 930 just blessed me so much. It's an absolute honor to be here. I, I love your, your pastor's destiny and Philip, some of my favorite people. Like you said, Philip and I have been friends for 20 years. My very first ministry event was with Pastor Philip, and uh, we, it was a flop. And uh, <laughs> just kidding, he and uh, uh, Brandon Mitchell and Matt Moreno from Healing Place and we flew out to West Texas to do a guys retreat that this city was, you know, prepped for and hyped for. And, man, we got out there, and there was like 14 people there. But we were ready, amen? And one thing about Philip is you got to be ready in and out of season, amen? And I love his heart. I love how he champions people. He, he's the one that taught me the importance of declaring God's truth over your life and it's become a practice for me, and you guys have a declaration, and my little, my little boy, Max, is here with me, my six-year-old, and we have a declaration, and it's because of Pastor Philip. and every day when we're going to school, um, we, we get in the car, and we get to the red light, and we say, God has a plan, and I have a purpose, and today is going to be a great day. I'll walk like Jesus. I'll talk like Jesus. I'll be everything he created me to be. I'm a kingdom kid born for a time such as this, and my school is my mission field. Now let's go change the world. And that's because Pastor Philip showed me and taught me the importance of declaring what is true over your life and to change your perspective as you start the day. So I love him and I honor him and his precious wife, and I'm so blessed to be here. And I do think that I'm one of his favorites. Because today, man, your worship team, bro, I, I got all the cousins. I got Haley, Taylor, I got Abby. All we need is Caleb and Riley, and the whole family would be up here. I've been walking with them for years in ministry, and it just feels good when the family of God gets together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Use it for our good and for your glory. Holy Spirit, till up the fallow ground of our heart. May this word be a seed that bears life-giving fruit inside of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Today I want to talk to you about the subject matter of a little bit being enough. You know, we spend our entire lives trying to achieve, you know, certain things. And in Christian culture and in kingdom culture, we, we use this terminology, and I understand the terminology, and I know exactly where it comes from, about giving our lives to Christ, right? Giving our entire lives. And, and, I, and I just think about in, in our context and, and what we live in, sometimes we struggle to give a job 15 months. Right? Sometimes we, we struggle to give, give our kids past the terrible twos before we want to just, just shake them. Right? We, we, we struggle, you know, the hard times, the, the seven-year itch when it comes to marriage sometimes. So the idea of giving the Lord... Our whole entire life seems like a daunting task. But what I've come to realize is, really, if we would just fall in love with giving him a little bit, we'll realize that the more obedient we become in giving him a little bit, we'll spend a lifetime that equates to a lot of bit. So, so today, I just wanted to let you exhale for a moment. 
And exhale in the fact that you may be sitting in the seat today or watching a line. You may be going, you know what? I don't have anything to give him. I can't give him my life because I, I don't have anything to give him today. Listen to me. Your little bit is enough. He can take it and work it for your good and for his glory if you will just give him that. Because a little bit is enough. A lot of times the reason we struggle as professing believers about seeing this everlasting, ongoing life change is because we tap in to the wrong well. We tap into this counterfeit idea of Jesus. Maybe it feels Jesus-y or maybe it feels spirity or maybe it feels religious, but in fact, it's, it's shallow and it's hollow once you get in the inside and we tapped into something that is not real. And we've pulled ourselves away and saying, you know what, because of X, Y, or Z, I don't want anything to do with that. But it's in that where we're changed. It's in his presence where we're changed. His presence changes things. He's not a God of a little bit. He's a God of a lot of bit. But it's in the little bits of life where we learn to trust him. The Bible tells us in Matthew 13, verse 53 through 58, that when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the disciples in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and all these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't his sisters all with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But when Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, or in his own home, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, this is a story where there's a Jesus doing a little bit. Now, if, if you're like me and you love to study the word, you understand that our God's not a God of a little of anything. In fact, John 10.10 10 would dispute this where it says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Abundant and a little bit aren't the same. Now, fam, hear me. That's not heaven. That's a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Abundant life is on earth. Eternal life is in heaven. I've come so that you can live in abundance on this earth, not in a little bit, but in a lot of bit. But this is a story of him doing a little bit, not because of his ability, but because of their faith. So let me, let me put in perspective from you. From this moment, he leaves. He walks to South Bossier. <laughs> Contextually speaking, he walks seven miles down the road. Seven miles. I don't know where some of y'all live. Some of you probably have to drive more than seven miles to get milk if you live out in the country. You're seven miles from anything. But seven miles in a city, that ain't that far. So he goes to South Bossier and walks on water for the first time. Can you imagine with me for just a moment being that close to one of his greatest miracles and having to hear about it secondhand because you didn't believe him enough to walk on the water in your hometown? You mean to tell me he's going to pass a pond in North Bossier to go to South Bossier and blow their mind because they were ready and they weren't? He's trying to do a lot of it. 
But maybe today we just need to trust him to do a little bit. And if we trust him in a little bit, then we'll learn to love a little bit, and then we'll ask him for a lot of bit. But a little bit should change us. You know, a little bit of his presence is enough. Psalm 8410 says this. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Remember that old song, Better is One Day in Your Course? Come on, Passion 1998. Back in the glory days. Better is one day. Man, let's put this into perspective for you. If you're a visual guy like me, this is the guy that held the door to the, the party room where the good stuff was happening, where, where the king and all of his people were in there eating and feasting and fellowshipping and hanging out. This guy was assigned a doorkeeper to the door that led in to the, the uttermost presence of the king. So what David is saying is like, look, you can offer me a lot, world, but I'll tell you this. I would rather hold the door in that house than to walk in whatever you got me. I was coming over here this morning. I was praying and I was praying for my staff and my team as they get ready to lead our faith family over in South Shreveport. And I, I just was reading through my notes and as I was driving, yes, and I was uh, praying and, and, and the Holy Spirit was so kind to remind me that says, you know what? I, I would rather be an outcast in the kingdom of God than a king in the kingdom of the world. I would rather live in the outside of his kingdom than to be on the throne of my own. And what David is saying is I want to hold the door to his presence if that's all that I can get. So that when people that are invited in, when they come by, I open the door and I let them in and I open the door and I let them in. But, but, but when I open the door, I just look in and I catch a glimpse. I catch a glimpse of his presence and I catch a glimpse of what's taking place and it brings hope and it reminds me as I open the door for those that are coming, but, but then we can't necessarily throw this guy out because this guy's employed by the king. His job is important. His job matters. A couple of things you get when you're employed by the king and you're employed in the house of the Lord is you get his provision. You get his shelter. You get his food. Let's be honest. Even the scraps that they were eating in the outer courts were better than the best food in the outside world. Everything that you would need, everything that you would have in order to function, it was there. Feasting on the, the, the trimmings. Come on, don't you know the burn-ins are the best part? Don't you know the crunchy skin's the best part of the fried turkey? Man, come on, don't you know that bottom part of the roast that's stuck on the pan that you got to scrape up a little bit and put some gravy on it? That's the best part. Come on, people throw the best part out sometimes. But what he's saying is, look, I would rather eat from the scraps of that table than to feast with anything the world would have for me. But don't you know living off of the scraps of the king is a good thing? Come on, when's the last time you found yourself far from God walking in the land that you didn't belong in? 
When's the last time you felt distant, maybe from shame, maybe from, from guilt, or maybe from a rough season, and you're like, man, I feel so far from God. And it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit was kind enough to bring you a little nugget from the past to hold you over to let you know you're not going to be in this spot forever. You're not going to be here forever. That's a scrap, my friend. We're not too good to eat from the scraps of the king's table. This guy said, I got everything I need. I've got his provision, but I've also got his protection. You see, when you are employed by the king, you get his protection because it's easier for him to keep you alive than it is to retrain somebody else. You don't went through the protocols. You don't went through all the, 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 the hoops, and now I got you in the spot. It's easier for me to keep you alive than it is to do it for somebody else. Now, if you're like me, who in here should have already been dead by now? Come on, had it not been for God. Man, I'm telling you, should have, should have been dead. Look, I didn't tell 930 this. At 1115, I'm going to tell you. In 2021, I got hospitalized with kidney stones, almost died from COVID, had a motorcycle wreck, broke my wrist in two places, two ribs, tore my quad, and had road rash from my fingertips to my armpits on both sides. But God wasn't done with me yet. He wasn't finished with me. 2021 wasn't the end of my story. He said, it's easier for me to keep Eddie alive than it is to deposit what I put in him, come on, into somebody else. Because there's a purpose that's got your name on it. So he said, I'll just keep you safe. I like you doing it. So I'm going to hold you fast until either one, you get it, you get tired of running from it, or three, you just flat surrender and said, I tried it every other way. I'm going to do it your way. You see, you get his protection. You also get his power. You see, when you work for the king, employed by the king, then you come with the king's backing. You have access to the things that your name couldn't get you into, but his name will unlock it all. Because I come with a different name. You see, David tells us in 1 Samuel 17, 15, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword, spear, and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. I come against you in the name of the defeated, or the undefeated one. So I heard a pastor say this years ago. He said his little boys were at home wrestling. It's funny, my, uh, both my boys were in, in here at 9, uh, 9.15, I think, 9.15 service. And backstage, they went into the red room. They full-blown wrestling in there. I mean, it's pillows falling everywhere. We cleaned it up. It looks presentable for him. Pastor Philip gets bad, but we tore that thing up. Um, he said his boys were in there wrestling and playing, and his little boy said, Daddy, I want to be a superhero. Son, you could be a superhero. But, Daddy, I want to be Superman. Son, you can be Superman. In this house, you can be a superhero. In this house, you can run faster than anybody. You can fly higher than anybody. You can jump from building to building because in this house, you can be whatever you want to be, son. If you want to be a superhero, you can be a superhero. This little boy, he goes to school. And he's wrestling on the playground with one of his little classmates. And, and they, they kind of tie into it like, like little boys do. And he said, hey, I'm Superman. He said, no, you're not. I am Superman. He said, no, you're not. He said, my daddy says that I'm Superman. Man, what if we 
started living our lives saying what our daddy said that we are? What if we just lived our lives with a little bit of the power that comes from a name that is not our own? And we walked in that. And we talked in that. And we believed that in his house, we can be anything we want to be. You see, that's what happens when you find yourself employed and in the house of the king. The next thing we see in, in this context as a doorkeeper is that you get his promise. You see, a king was only as good as his word. It was his reputation. It's what made him honorable. To know his promises for us, we have to know his word. Every promise that is given to his kids has been sealed with his blood. It will not return void and it will come to pass. We believe that. Our King Jesus loved us enough. He died a death that we deserve to die to give us a life that he deserved to live. Jesus is, was, and will always be the promise keeper. And maybe you're here today and I want to tell you the hardest room to be faithful in is the waiting room. It's hard to be faithful in the waiting. It's hard to believe when you can't see it. It's hard. It's difficult. But I've just come to realize, man, in times of, of waiting and in times of believing God for a breakthrough or believing God for a return of a child or believing God for a restoration, it's hard to believe when you can't see it. So you, you've got to remind yourself of a few things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. These are going to be free. These are not in my notes today. That when you can't hear what he's saying, you need to remember what he's already said. You got to remember what he's already said. Because in God's kingdom, a word spoken in the past is only a word that's waiting to come to pass. You remember what he said. God, I can't hear you, but I remember what you spoke to me in that midnight hour. Can we just be real? Can we not act like the midnight hour was late when it's really the first hour of the day? Well, I was like, God, you showed up in the midnight hour. Yes, the first hour was the first one on the scene. You thought it was late. That was yesterday. I'm the first hour of today. Come on. Yes. I don't know what you're saying. Just remember what you said. I don't know what you're doing, but I, don't, I remember what you've done. You didn't fail me then. We just sang about it. You're not going to fail me now. And though I feel like I may be falling, I'm not failing. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to rest in what you've done. Lord, I, I don't know where you're taking me. But I'll just rest in where you've brought me from. I'm not where I need to be, but praise God, I ain't where I used to be. And I will sit in that because your promise is true and it's true for me. It's true for me. So we get the king's promise. If he said it, if he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Because his presence, a little bit of his presence is enough. You know, I love what's taking place out in Kentucky at Asbury University. I don't know if you've been seeing it on, on social media. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. I'm also frustrated because can't win with church people. You know, two weeks ago, we we're, we're bashing 
Sam Smith because he's devil worshiping at the Grammys. And two weeks later, we're bashing Asbury because they're not revivaling right. Well, you, you can't win if you worship in Satan. Apparently, you can't win if you worship in God, but it ain't the lost people griping about it. It's the church. I can tell you this. I don't care how it looks, smells, stands up on his own. The presence of God is in the room. I want to be in that room. I want to be there. But I also know that there's not the goal. His presence is the goal. It's just falling there, but it can fall here. And if it's falling here, that's where I want to be. I don't care if you like it or not. Well, you can't win. You can't win if the goal isn't his presence. Hey, if his goal, if his presence ain't at the Grammys, you shouldn't want to be at the Grammys. If his presence ain't at that university, you shouldn't want to be at that university. If his presence ain't in this church, you need to find a new church because the goal is his presence. And where his presence is, that's where I want to be. Peter and John spend some time in his presence. We got this story about Peter and John standing before the Sanhedrin. They're fixing to go on trial because they healed a dude. Isn't that crazy? Just like, just like the word revival. Oh, they not, that ain't real revival. They, the Baptist mad they casted out a demon. You wouldn't be mad if it was your daughter that was bound up. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. We nitpicking the presence. I don't want to stand before God and give an account for stupid stuff. Anybody like me? I got enough I'm going to have to give an account for. I ain't trying to give an account for the stupid stuff. I can do bad all by myself, right? Whoo. I got to keep going, man. We got, I got to, I'm telling you. But anyway, they, they finna give an account for healing a dude, right? They fixing to go on trial because they healed a guy, but the problem wasn't the healing. The problem was that they healed him in Jesus' name. The problem is that, that they said, we heal you in the name of Jesus. Now, we know that because in Acts 4.13, it says when they saw the courage. So what does that mean? That means in his presence, you get courage. We saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. So the way that they walked, talked, and carried themselves had a little something extra on it, not because they learned it in schools, because they walked with Jesus. So it tells me that the more of what the world needs is not more of what we get from the world, it's more of time spent with Jesus. So if you want to astonish the ones that are mad at you for casting things out, binding things, and healing things in the name of Jesus, that only comes from spending time with Jesus. Because if you do it in your own power, they're going to stay there sick because my name won't heal them, but his name will set them free because it's his presence that does it all. So a little bit of his presence is enough. So what's our excuse? When you've been in the presence, you've got courage, you've got boldness. When you've been in the presence, you've got influence, you've got authority, you've got power. When you've been in the presence of God, you've learned to tap into the supernatural. When a person stays and longs to be in the presence of God, that becomes a person who truly believes 
that their best days are ahead. The last thing I want to talk about today is this. If a little bit of his presence is enough, then that means a little bit of his touch is enough. We see this in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Let's stop for just a second. I love it that they were looking for him to show up. They were expecting him to show up. I mean, when's the last time? Let's be for real. When's the last time that we lived our life with the expectancy that Jesus was on his way? Oh, come on, I'm going to go to work today. Holy Spirit, you're going to meet me there in the workplace. Dad, I'm getting off work. Holy Spirit, you're going to meet me on the front porch when I see my family at 5 p.m. Student, you're going to meet me in the gym at 9 o'clock this morning. You're going to give me an encounter in the hallway at 1030. I'm going to live my life expecting you to show up. They welcomed him because they were looking for him. You want to be a church that changes things, that changes the city, then you've got to be a church that looks for him and expects him to show up. Says then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading with him to come to the house of his only daughter, a girl of about 12 who was dying. Let's stop. I told the 915, if I had three weeks, we'd go all the way in, but I don't have three weeks. Sometimes meeting with him in the commonplace is not enough. They were expecting him in the crowd, but Jairus had a need in the house. Fam, listen to me. There are needs in this room that he will not meet in this room. There are needs in this room that he's going to have to come to your house to meet. And you've got to be willing to go where he is and invite him to the place that he isn't and expect him to show up in your house just like you expected him to show up in the crowd. Oh God, you're going to meet me in my marriage. You're going to meet me in my prodigal child's life. You're going to meet me in that place. And though it may not take place in the common place, it's going to take place in my house. And in faith, I believe it and I expect it to be so. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. I know that because the power has gone out for me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Oh, I love it. So let's put in perspective. Jesus is walking. Crowds are everywhere. Jairus showed up. He's on his way to Jairus' house. Apparently, the crowds are going with him. 
Apparently they're going there. And I love it. I love it. Jesus, I mean, he's up in it, y'all. He's a, man, there's people everywhere. I don't know if Jesus was a people person, but apparently he was all right. Some of you'd be all claustrophobic. I can't breathe. Where's my exit? I can't get out of here. I don't know. My Enneagram is flipping out. I don't know what to do. My temperament ain't made for this. Get me out of here. But Jesus got people everywhere. Said the crowds were pressing him. I don't know what a crowd is, but it ain't one. It ain't two. And two people can't crush you, so I'm saying it's a bunch. There's people everywhere. And you know, Peter, I'm a lot like Peter talk when I'm not supposed to talk, probably say things I shouldn't say. You tell me to pray, I take a nap, and I cut a dude's ear off. I done bangoed somebody in the presence of God. I'm sorry, Lord, but I ain't perfect. I'm a lot like Peter. Maybe you can relate, and the crowds were touching him. And Jesus said, who touched me? I know Peter being a smart, like, smart like disciple was, <laughs> who what you mean, Jesus? Everybody touched you. We can't we go in a step an hour, everybody touching you. What do you mean who touched you? Have people behind you? But they said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. Because I, I felt the power leave me. And so I'm spending some time with the Holy Spirit. And I said, break this down for me. I want to present this well. A few things the Lord gave me, I want to leave to you today. And the first one is this. Sometimes touching something that is touching Jesus is enough to release the power. You see, she didn't quite get to his body, but she got to his cloak. Some people may not be able to get to Jesus, but they can get to us. And sometimes you need to touch something that's touching Jesus. Sometimes they can't get to him, but they can get to me and they can get to you. And if the power of God can rest in a cloak, then the power of God can rest in a son or a daughter. In fact, 2 Corinthians tells it that the spirit of God fills us like earthen vessels, meaning clay pots. Why would he use a clay pot? I think because a clay pot's got cracks in it. I think it's kind of leaky. I think it's a little bit untrustworthy. And I think it'll hold something for a minute. But if it's been misused or if it's been hit too hard or taken too many blows, it's going to wear the, the signs of battle. And maybe it's got a little crack in it. Maybe it's got a little slit in it. Or it's developed a hole over time. Well, you see, outside of the kingdom of God, that broken pot is a burden. But inside the kingdom of God, that broken pot is a blessing. Why? Because what it's filled with will come out of it. And your brokenness could be the leaking healing that the person's looking for when you touch them. The breakthrough that that person needs is in your pot with cracks, but you don't like your cracks. You don't like your holes. You don't like your brokenness because to you, it's a burden, but to God, it's a blessing. And sometimes they can't get to him. But come on, can they get to us? Because if I'm going to hold the hand of Jesus and I'm going to hold the hand of the earth in the spirit of God, I'm going to try to bring those hands together. You can't get to him, but brother, sister, you can get to me. And if the spirit of God will rest in his cloak, the spirit of God will rest in me. The second thing is this. It challenges us to see how bad we really want to get to Jesus. You see, this woman had no business in the eyes of man pursuing Jesus, unclean, unloved, outcast, stricken with disease, broken, beyond despair. But Jesus responds to the absolute worst of us. We have to think that there's not a person that's too far gone, gone too much, been too far, said too many things that they should not have said that is outside of the reach of Jesus. We've got to preach a gospel that says there's nothing that you've done that he cannot restore. 
There's no place that you have been that he cannot redeem. You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. How bad do you want it? You may be in here today, said, but it may be embarrassing. But I grew up in church. I was raised in church. But my life got off track. I made some bad decisions. I've been places, done things I said I would never go or do. How bad do you want to get there? Because I can tell you this. I would rather you spend a moment embarrassed than a lifetime in bondage. And this woman, she crawled and she drugged and she got herself to Jesus with all the people looking, all the people touching. Don't you know, she had no power. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. Scabbed up, knees, no power to stand. That's how I know. Oh, that's how I know that she couldn't hide no more. For the first time, she stood up. Wait a second. That's the bleeding woman. For 12 years, I've seen her on her knees, crawling around this community, and the bleeding woman is standing up. She knew she could not go unnoticed. Listen to me. You won't be known as the bleeding woman forever. There's a new identity, and there's a new purpose, and there's a new vision with your name on it if you would decide how bad you want to get to Jesus. The last one is this. It's your heart that determines what happens when you come in contact with Jesus. It's your heart. Two times in the New Testament, the first one is the text where we see the four friends. They bring their friend um, into the room with Jesus and they lower him down on the map and the Lord looks at them and says, your friend's faith has healed you. Isn't it odd? that a room so full of people where there was no room for them to even get in the back door. They lowered their friend down through a borrowed roof into the presence. Isn't it crazy with that many people, there's only one recorded healing? One. Isn't it crazy that in this conversation, twice it's mentioned that the crowds are pressing and crushing Jesus. So much so that there are people that Jesus said, who touched me? And Peter said, Master, the crowds are crushing us. And there's one recorded healing? One? Surely she couldn't be the only person with an ailment there. Surely she couldn't be the only person with a need there. But she had to be the only person that wanted it more than anything else. The posture of her feet must have been broken, but the posture of her heart was right. What do we say in the first passage? That because of their disbelief, he only did a few miracles there. How bad do you want to get there? And how bad are you believing for what you're believing for when you get there? Many pressed in that day. Just like many people come to church week after week month after month, year after year, and their lives do not bear the fruit of being with Jesus. May we check our hearts today. May we trust that when we get there, in Jesus' name, 
every need will be met. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you and I praise you for doing what we couldn't and what we wouldn't so that we can live a life that we shouldn't be living. Your grace has welcomed us into a family that is far greater than anything we could ever imagine on our own. Holy Spirit, we ask that among the people watching this online and those in the room, that every need that is significant enough to burden us, may we see is significant enough to bring to your feet. It's significant enough to push through the crowd. It's significant enough to bear um, a momentary um, embarrassment. It's significant enough to be ridiculed for. It is significant enough to get to you. Because we believe that there is breakthrough in your presence. We believe there is breakthrough in your touch. And you've got what we need. And by the Spirit of God, may we believe that you've got what we want. Lord, I pray a blessing over these incredible people this week as they go, Lord, into their everyday lives and they walk by your spirit and they talk by your spirit and they love and they lead the people in this city by your spirit that you would use them for a prophetic time such as this. Lord, your word says that we are carriers of your presence. God, may atmospheres and workplaces and homes, may they shift, may they change, surrender and submit when your kids show up because we know we're not showing up alone. So Lord, I pray for every burden to be healed today. I pray for every breakthrough to be walked in. I pray for every waiting promise to come to pass. Use this time for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Amen. You know, we only do this every once in a while, typically when we have a special guest or when Destiny's preaching. But I really feel like, and you guys can stand we need to give ourselves a little time to respond and we've got some time to do that. I really feel like some of you need to come forward and just kind of stand here at the front. Pastor Steve is here. Brinley is here. We've got Hunter and Heidi here. They're going to come alongside you and pray for you. But if you just feel like you need to respond to what you heard today, you need to, like the woman moving through the crowd, posture yourself in such a way to just be a little closer to Jesus. Just as a symbol of what God is doing right now in your heart. Haley's gonna sing, and the rest of us are gonna sing because we have some time. But if you feel like you just need a, a little more of Jesus and you wanna touch from heaven today and you want someone to pray with you, just come to the front. Even right now, you can come on to the front. Our pastors and our staff are going to come. 
Johnson, if that woman who is bleeding for 12 years can be bold enough to work her way through that crowd. Here in Bossier City, we can be bold enough to move forward for a touch from God. I'm going to pray for you. Haley's going to sing, and we're just going to honor this moment. Staff, please be ready to pray with people as they come. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word that we just heard, for the reminders. One moment in your presence changes everything. One touch from you changes everything. So now we welcome you, Lord. Listen, if you're not moving toward the front, please be worshiping and being quiet in this moment and be praying for the people who are coming forward. Haley, would you lead us in worship, please? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the
doing something and we're not gonna rush from this and we're gonna let people stay at the front that need to stay at the front. But listen, I just heard this and this is for somebody. You think you need more time and you think you need more money, but what you need is more of the presence of God. Now, I don't know who that's for, but so clearly you think you need more time, you think you need more money, but what you need is more of the presence of God. Receive that word today. If you're new to our community, we're so thankful that you're here. Listen, you can quietly still bow. Don't forget to get your gift at the Connect Corner. You can give today by putting your offering in the offering boxes as you leave. We love to say the best is yet to come, so I'm just going to say it over you today. The best is yet to come. You can take it to the bank. You're free to go. If you're still up here getting prayer, get prayer. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.